Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, the original podcast, the old Coke. Well, not the old Coke. The old Coke was a drug, but the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. I'm glad I clarified that because this is not a podcast about pop and drugs. It's about Kansas State sports, which in some ways is a drug to all of you who listen. That's why you listen. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Gilbert, Ryan Gills, Gilbert. What? I'm Zach Gilbert? (laughs) I said Zach Gilbert? You did, Fitz. Yes, sir. I am so confused. I don't know anyone anymore. Zach Carlson. I was so focused on not saying Gilsbert, I apparently merged it all. At least you didn't call him Ryan Carlson. That's that's not a bad (laughs) name for checking into a hotel, buddy. Right there, Ryan Carlson. (laughs) Uh, Hey, guys, I'm about ready to do an Indeed search for Hermit. Because I think I'm getting it down. I think if anyone's hiring a hermit, I might be qualified at this point. Is that a job? Can you get paid to hermit? You got to make money somehow. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm getting pretty good at it. I'm at about, what, the six-week mark or so of not leaving the house except one time to drive somewhere and not get out of the car. So I'm excellent at this. I think I found something else I can do besides talk about Kansas State sports. I can hermit and also talk about Kansas State sports because I'm a complex guy. Speaking of complex guys, Gills, did you listen to the Drew Smith podcast? Yeah, I did. He has a lot of dimensions to him. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I I was, that was fun. Well, I could have gone another half hour with him. And as my sister pointed out, uh, he talks really fast on top of that. So we got a lot of information <laughs> packed into 50-some minutes. And I, I swear I could have gone 30 more listening to old sports stories from his TV sports career and probably got into more of the theater. And there was probably a lot unsaid about his fighting the virus and also his travels to London and Italy and all that. It's fascinating. He's so much more than just a college professor. I bet you he's also works for the CIA. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you anything. We're sponsored well, by the there fridge. He doesn't do. What's that? Is there anything he doesn't do? Wait, right now, teach. Ironically, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. He's he's still recovering, and we had to work out a time to you know get in uh, a recording time. I'm like, you're what's on your schedule, buddy? You're you're pretty much at home. I don't understand what these small windows are, <laughs> but he keeps himself busy. So, so be it. We're sponsored by The Fridge. 
And uh, guys, I don't know if you listened to the overtime podcast last week, which I advise. I'm, when I'm saying guys, I mean the two with me on this podcast, not you in general. You in general, I hope you did. I imagine my two sidekicks here didn't go back and listen to the overtime. Of course not. Yeah. I mean, who who does that? I do it once in a while to uh, audit, you know, see what we're doing wrong, doing right. And usually I uh, don't make it all the way through. I went back and did some post-editing, some re-recording, because I discovered after we were done with the podcast recording that the Fridge Now has an app. That's right. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. You can go to your Google Store or your uh, Apple Store and search for the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, find their app, download it, and if you need to go pick up an order, it can be pre-selected and paid for and you roll up and get it the fridge wholesale liquor has gone digital you can also do that on their web at uh the fridge something i don't know what their website is you can find it i'm sure if you if you're a person that wants to order online you can probably find the fridge wholesale liquor using google type in the fridge wholesale liquor do i need my parents permission you don't know you don't You know, because it's so stringent when you got to put in your own birth date to be on those websites, everyone's honest and nobody would ever lie on their age. <laughs> That's such a thorough system. Uh, yeah. We're also sponsored by Tanners. They are doing carry out. I need to get some Tanners carry out, but I don't know what I would carry out from Tanners. Maybe the KC burger, which is so good. It's pulled pork on top of a burger with an onion ring. Basically, it's health food, health food for the fat guys. But get into Tanner's when it's over, or if you're here in Manhattan or in the area, get a carryout order. Ring up Charlie and company, go get your food, and uh, eat some delicious Tanner's. And one more thing before we get into the questions. Um, If you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, this podcast released on Wednesday, April 29th, and if it's still before 11 p.m. on Wednesday and you're not a subscriber, you got to take advantage of our special that's going right now. It's my favorite special we have because it's 50% off a GoPowerCat annual subscription, so that's half price right there. And for this day only, they'll throw in a free, ads-free subscription to CBS All Access, the CBS streaming service. There's original programming, and then everything CBS has ever done, including current shows, is all archived right there. And that's free. That's another $100 value, basically, that is free on top of a half-price subscription. So go take advantage of that. It's the perfect time to subscribe to GoPowerCat. And if you are a subscriber and you have friends that have said they will at some point, Now's the time. This is the one to take advantage of. I love this special. I use CBS All Access for programming. It's just another in the mix for me with all the stuff that you can get out there on the streaming world and then half price for Go Power Cat. So don't miss out on that. It ends at 11 p.m. Wednesday, April 29th, which is midnight Eastern. And apparently we've got to pay attention to Eastern times because they're more important than us. Here is Zach. From Email Wildcat 82, how is it that we were told Scott France had the best shot of getting drafted, yet five other players end up as undrafted free agents? I find it baffling. I find it baffling. Now, a lot of people have made some really good points. He did not finish his career strong. Um, I thought he was 
better somehow as a freshman and sophomore than maybe a junior and certainly a senior. I didn't think he had a real good senior year. He didn't test well. And yet we based our optimism on uh, the fact that he might be drafted or at least be a free agent from the people who took all of that into consideration. It's not like we just made up these lists. These were lists provided, you know, by people who do all these mock drafts and rank people and occasionally had him in the mock drafts. And I'm not surprised he wasn't drafted. I didn't think he would be drafted, but I sure as hell thought someone would bring him into camp and see what he looked like as a guard because he's a big kid with a lot of playing experience, you know, seen a lot of really good players on the other side of the line and survived a lot of those battles and won a lot of those battles. So uh, is it because he's openly gay? I would, I really want to think not, but I'm, I'm afraid there's got to be a calculation in there that um, some teams probably said it's just not worth it. He's not good enough to take that chance. He's good enough to invite to camp, but he's not good enough to risk inviting to camp and having disruption. Honestly, because his upside maybe is limited. I think it just goes into the greater calculation of all the things. I don't think it was one item that kept him out of any camp. And he still can be invited. You know, someone uh, could have a really bad camp and only last a couple days, and they might bring Scott in. And then again, maybe he's not interested. Uh, Ryan Wallace has spoken to him. Well, uh, hopefully I'll get Scott on the horn. I've asked him to be on the Life of Fitz podcast, and we'll see if he wants to do that. But there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, it's convenient to say... It is, he just wasn't good enough, and it's convenient to say, oh, it was because he's an openly gay football player. There's a lot of gray in between, and I'm confident that's where it fell. But I'm not naive enough to believe that the fact of his sexuality and the stigma that it still carries with it in the National Football League for whatever bleeping reason You can be openly gay and function just fine on a college football team, but the pros aren't pros when it comes with someone's personal life. So uh, it's disturbing. But, you know, he's not the only one that I'm surprised didn't get a shot, but we might have questions about that. Gills, what's your thought as someone in this generation? Even as an older guy, I find it really kind of shocking that this might still be an issue. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I didn't expect him to get drafted either, but then you look at um, you know, Dalton Schoen and, and James Gilbert getting signed, getting their opportunities. You know, that's where I'm really confused, and I agree that something's going on here. Um, you know, you, you look at Colin Kaepernick. People don't want him on their team because there's it's not a, right. a calculation like you were talking about. It's not worth the risk and, and what can happen inside of your locker room and then the media and everything that happens. So. It's, you know, it's interesting. You look back at Michael Sam, that 2014 when he came out and the media was all over it, made such a huge deal out of it. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's really weird. I think if he was, uh, let's be real. I think if he was, uh, if he wasn't gay, I think he would definitely, uh, he would, he would get a shot at least right now. Right. And I'm not even sure he's good enough to make a team guys. I'm really not, but I'm positive in the context of the type of players that get shots and a camp that, you know, at least fill out a roster for the camp for practice purposes. He's certainly worthy of that. And I'm just a little bit stunned. Zach? You know, you know, Fitz, I think reading Wally's story yesterday, which was really good, you know, it talked about how he was talking to, you know, three or four teams before the draft. 
Um, but didn't hear anything over the weekend, didn't hear anything after the draft, but a lot of, he talked about his future, you know, he wants to go down to Texas, you know, move down there. He, he almost seems content with, with it all being over. Like he's kind of ready for that next chapter, which I don't want to speak for Scott. I don't want to say that, you know, he's done with football, but he just, he seemed like he was really at peace, um, with, with not getting a contract, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong and maybe he'll end up in a camp, you know, in the future, but, um, it just, it doesn't seem like he's completely upset by, by not receiving a contract or an invite. I agree. He knows that there's a family at K state. Um, everyone in that locker room was accepting of him. And I don't know if the same thing can be said for one of those 32 teams in the NFL. I doubt it. I, I would doubt that it's possible to create the kind of environment that Bill Snyder brought and Chris Kleiman fostered. Do that in a professional environment, I would find very difficult to believe. Uh, And I I do sense that from him. The reason he has passed on talking is uh, his emotions. So don't make the mistake in general public thinking he's not emotionally invested in this. He was was upset. Um, But I think he also had a sense that this might happen. It's just, it's one of those things like it's probably going to happen, but would it really happen? And it has, um, but he has other plans, which is good. He has his degree, which is great. He is a really, really kind person, uh, an intelligent person. So football wasn't all of his life. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm beleaguered that this is even an issue because it wasn't an issue at the college level. Um, and I know it's easy for people to say, well, you're the one making it an issue. It's an issue, people. It's an, you can go on Twitter and see it's an issue. I mean, you, you just have these guys that fire back at you and they're saying, well, it's cause he's not good enough, but you know what they're saying? You know, they, when you have fans of, of a school arguing against why this kid deserves a shot, not being drafted, not being on a roster, just having an opportunity when you have people so passionately arguing against one of their own guys getting it, you know the motivation there. You know it. They may not know it, but we can tell. It's pretty obvious. They don't hide their cards. Um, uh, you know, and, and I'm I'm just sorry that that's out there. I'm, I, I'm sorry that <clears throat> Scott living his, his own life um, upsets other people you know, that really aren't affected by it in one bit. So uh, I hope he'll talk to us at some point, um, but we'll see. It's his life. If he doesn't want to talk about it, he doesn't want to talk about it. I'm just dis- disappointed in the NFL. And and in an odd way, the amount of progress we've made since 2014 when this popped up and, you know, with a Missouri player and now a Kansas State player to 2020, that six-year span kind of shows us the giant leap forward we've made. It's not an issue in the media. I mean, the Kansas City Star isn't running to his defense. Nobody in the national media is noting that this guy we expected might get drafted isn't even getting a shot. Nobody seems to care because being gay now isn't that big a deal to a lot of us. Why does it seem like it's still a big deal to the the people in front offices and in locker rooms in the NFL. I don't know. I just don't know. 
from Exhausted Nihilist, thinking of the dearly departed draft streak, which former K-State NFL draftee first comes to your mind for having far exceeded their draftee expectations? And which former player's NFL career do you think uh, do you first think of that sadly never lived up to their draft day expectations? That's a good question. I'm only 21 years old, but Josh Freeman would be the one who, yeah. um, in my lifetime, just didn't live up to any expectations at all. That's a great answer. You know, Josh was always uh, skilled. He has the physical capabilities. There was no doubt about it. I just don't know that uh, he really wanted it enough. It had always been easy. That's a real problem with four, five-star, five-star mostly type players. It's always been easy. And how do they react when it gets challenging? And some, you know, say, hey, this is fun. Let's kick it up here. I got, I'm getting pushed a little bit. And some guys like, ah, this isn't, this isn't the same, not being able to dominate. And they back down. I just... Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Josh was disappointing. That's a that's a perfect answer because he was a first round pick. Granted a former coach from K State picked him, you know, but you would think that meant Raheem Morris knew exactly what he was about, but it didn't work out. Uh overachieving, you gotta look at one of these walk ons. I mean, uh, you know, that ended up maybe even being a free agent. He was talking in regard to the draft streak. Oh. Oh okay. people that were drafted. Uh, but Going down that line, go offensive line, Cody Whitehair, I think. Yes, he was drafted in the second round, but, I mean, he's a mainstay in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, he made the he was a pro bowler last year. I wouldn't have expected Cody Whitehair to ever become a pro bowler. But maybe that's just me. Yeah. Uh, he's He seems – he's one of those guys that, uh, like George Brett, was a better major leaguer than AAA player, which – is a weird phenomena, but Cody was a really good high school player. He was a very good college player, and he's an outstanding NFL player. Um, I don't know, man. That's that's hard. I, I probably need to study it by reading more D. Scott Fritchin about guys that have been picked, but uh, there's so many guys knocking around the league. It, it's hard to say. You know, I'm 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 getting ready to talk for Life Fits podcast. With Nick Lucky, he's the first guy that we're doing from the power chat series um nick you know hung around the league for a long time he was drafted very good got a super bowl ring you know i mean it's it's kind of fun to watch it um maybe reggie walker the original reggie walker was he drafted i don't know um that dude hung around the league a long time and um was a better nfl guy than a college guy he kind of fit the game so I don't know. I don't think he was. I'm looking at the list. I don't see him on there. Uh, the one disappointment for me, though, and I think this is going to be a lot of people, is going to be Michael Bishop. Yes, he was a very late round pick, but goes to New England. And then Lux just so happens that he gets put behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Then he goes to Green Bay, but he was injured when he was there. The league wasn't ready for Michael. I mean, if Michael was coming out now and going into the league, he'd have a real opportunity. Uh, but, yep. Um, you know, a lot's been said about the complexities of the game and how it changed and and evolved. And, you know, it was really rigid back then, do this, 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 and this. And that's not Mike's game. Mike's game is let's go have some fun and create something on this play. And we're seeing more of that in the league now. 
whether it's a passing quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or more of a running quarterback, Lamar Jackson, a lot more freelancing is being allowed from the quarterback position than, you know, 20 years ago. But yeah, I think it's a good point, Zach. From Itam BB, will our new draft streak start in 2021? And if so, who? There's a lot of guys that could, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to project, um, looking forward because we didn't even get spring football. Um, uh, it, it really depends how big a season does Wyatt Hubert have and is it so big that he wants to come out? Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's not quite NFL ready. He's explosive, but is he that kind of edge guy you want in the league? Uh, I like Justin Hughes a lot. I like Elijah Sullivan a lot. Are they ready to make the, the conversion over? Um, it You know, it might be another year off as they cycle through this down recruiting pace before we start seeing it tick back up a little bit. Um, Nick Lenners is out there as if he has a really good season, he needs to, he's been disappointing. You know, maybe that's because of health. Maybe he got too heavy trying to put on weight for the Snyder system. And now they want him to trim down. Uh, you know, Skyler's out there. I, I tend to think Skyler's a free agent guy, but then you see some guys get drafted and, you know, late in the sixth and seventh round that get shots. And you're like, really? Well, I imagine Skyler's about that good. So um, we'll we'll see how all that plays out. They'll be re- really young in the backfield. They still probably lack some, you know, a guy at the receiver position that is ready to go. Malik Knowles is an NFL prospect, but probably not after his you know, junior year or whatever it is. So I I don't know. It's It could be another year off. This is the Jonathan best. Alexander, if he has a good, good yeah. year, maybe. You know, John, I think John's like uh, Daquan Patton. I thought I'm shocked Daquan isn't in a camp because he, yeah. he looks physically the role, and Jonathan Alexander also looks the role. From WTDD, do I keep saying three Ds or am I saying two? WTDD 2001. What did you like about the virtual NFL draft, and what are some things that you liked? and some that you didn't like? I like the pacing. I think the the whole big ballroom thing where they're dramatically turning the cards, I think it gets into too much showmanship. They, they seem to get to picks a little bit quicker because they're just sitting in their damn houses. You know, they, they knew who they – that's what I hate about the NFL draft. They know who they're picking. Why are you taking your full 15 minutes just because you want to be <laughs> on the clock? I mean, it's just that kind of silliness bothers me. I, uh, Roger Goodell is one of the most awkward guys ever. And <laughs> Zach, weren't those fans pre-recorded that were on his TV set? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. There was, there was, there was a TikTok I saw. There was a TikTok I saw and it wasn't during Goodell. It was during a Broncos pick, but this girl is a Broncos cheerleader. And she's like, in, like on her knees in her bedroom, just like waving her pom-poms in front of a camera and her roommate is watching the draft on the TV and she's on there and she just like goes in the room and, and sees her. It was kind of funny. So that, at least that part was indeed live. So maybe, maybe it was live, but I enjoyed Roger Goodell embracing the booze and Bud Light. (laughs) I'm sure that it was Bud Light that pitched it and they're like, Hey, let's make this ad thing where we're going to boo you like normal. And like it was, it was cool seeing him have a nice sense of humor and being human versus the, you know, being 
arguably the worst commissioner of all four sports. I agree. I I think it proved to um, everyone in the league with their war rooms and all that, we're overdoing this. You know, we, we've studied this. We boiled it down. Can you imagine having a war room on draft day and just the amount of noise? Just, you know, let the GM and the coach figure out what the hell they're going to do now. You provided the information leading up to the draft, and that's what we kind of saw. I liked it. I thought ESPN did a really good job with it. But again, I, you know, I, ESPN, there's certain things that bug me. They're getting a lot of pushback for, you know, how far sometimes they reached for negatives on players instead yep. of just letting them enjoy. Oh, yeah. 100%. Doesn't clip his toenails on a regular basis. <laughs> when I was watching, I really didn't watch any of the first two days that much. I watched a little bit here and there. And yes, it was different. But watching on Saturday, because that was when, you know, I need to pay attention for K State guys. Um, it, it did not seem any different at all, other than the fact that they were everyone was remote. But the broadcast itself, everything, it was, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round, boring BS NFL draft. It is still, yes, it might have been, you know, the first live sporting event, quote unquote, since, you know, the coronavirus pandemic began. But it was still incredibly boring, and if I didn't have to watch it because someone might have been taken, I would have turned it off. I absolutely would have turned it off. It's still not compelling television to me that late. Okay. And and I think that the I know that the whole 15 minutes thing in the first round and everything um, gets kind of drawn out, and it's ridiculous, you know, going five six hours for a first round. It's just unnecessary. But having it in person, it would have looked really cool in front of the Bellagio in Vegas this year. I think that the, the first round spectacle of the draft is kind of what makes it, it fun. And now that they're doing it in these these different cities, like Kansas City is going to get it, you know, in a couple of years. Um, I think Cleveland's next year. I don't know why, but, but it'll be there. Um, I think that. You know, making the draft an event like that is is a lot better for the fans. I know it's still extremely boring picking players in a in an order that's already been predetermined, and you get 15 minutes for each pick or whatever. But I think that that that's a little more watchable than what what we had, at least for the first round. You mentioned ESPN reaching. Did you guys see? Um, I forget who it was. They had a graphic. You know, get to know this person or whatever, and it showed all this stuff, and then it said. This dude's mom fought drug addiction for like 15 years or something. Did you guys see that? No, I didn't see that one. It's, it's just ridiculous how much they're. It's you do not need to publish that at all. Um, yeah, I'll try to find it here. I think it was um, uh, T. Higgins is who it was. And I know hmm. they're trying to say, look what he overcame, but you just put her addiction on blast. Yeah, you don't do that. God. Yeah. From Adam K sixty three, if Alex Barnes had stayed for his senior year, would he have been drafted? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't, Alex never had that next gear that probably made him NFL worthy. The next, the extra wiggle. If you look at guys that are getting picked, and honestly, the biggest surprise was the Chiefs going for a running back in the first round because you don't draft running backs in the first round. They don't work out. They just don't. The guys that end up excelling at running back quite often aren't the top picks. Sometimes they are, but then you can go get a guy in the sixth round that is a really good running back for you. So 
It was a little bit surprising. I think he specifically fit what the Chiefs wanted. And I don't think anyone would look at Alex Barnes in the in the league and say, that's exactly what we want from a running back. Now, I think he would have been put in different positions and asked to do some different things, including catching the ball more often in this offense than he was with Bill Snyder. That might have put him in a better position. But I also think he would have gotten fewer touches because of the running back rotation. I think the reality is they would have had one last transfer, senior transfer, probably Jordan Brown, and they would have had Gilbert and Barnes and Trotter back there, and it would have changed the offense. But, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I think I'm, I'm just so sad that Alex so miscalculated his NFL worth. And maybe, again, it was he was just tired of college football, and if the pros want to have me, I'll go, and if not, I'll, I'll go do life. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he would have been drafted. I think that he would have been right in the middle of, you know, the Scott France, you know, Dalton Schoen, Daquan Patton, just will they, will they not, you know, they'll for sure end up in a camp other than France, obviously, but I, I don't think that it would have changed the, the bubble aspect of this year's draft more than than anything. Yeah, I never really saw anything. Um, NFL-wise from Alex Barnes, but Fitz, you're talking about the Chiefs. I love the pick at running back. I really do. Um, you said he fits their offense well, but getting a player like that that has such a short shelf life in the NFL in the first round is, I agree, You know that's where it's hurting you. Um, if you get a line, any, any other position for crying out loud, uh, they're going to be around a lot longer. From Yo Mama, the Greg Sharp podcast spurred a couple of thoughts. How big of an effect did losing the coaching staff in 1998 have on recruiting in the long term? Did it contribute to the program falling off the cliff after 2003? And is that when Bill started hiring older coaches, perhaps to prevent it from happening again? Um, no, I don't. I think they recovered remarkably well from the 98. You know, all the coaches leaving and Mark Mangino telling Bill he was staying and I've got recruiting lockdown when the whole time he was going and took the recruiting list and tried to recruit against Kansas State. I mean, they tried to flip L. Roberson not to Oklahoma, but just away from Kansas State. So there were some dirty tricks going on, but they kept him. That was that same recruiting class. You know, they didn't run into problems till 2001 when they had a little blip of uh, lack of talent. Then they reloaded, and those that 2002 team was really good. 2003 was incredibly good. I just had injuries in the middle of the season or early in the season. They lost L, and Sproles was dinged up, and they lost three games. Uh, Sean Lowe talked about it in his podcast. Um, I really think the program got into trouble with the L. Roberson incident. You know, I think it was building up that maybe they weren't recruiting at the same level, but you know how Bill Snyder recruits. He would wait till the end of the season and and really flip it on and kick it in gear and go get some Juco guys and go find some late finds in recruiting. And um, he didn't, I mean, he was, he was distracted and sidetracked and annoyed and heartbroken about the way it's, you know, what had happened to his player and the program and, and recruiting suffered that year. And they didn't get the guys they needed to come in and help immediately. You know, that those players that Bill would always find to plug a hole here, plug a hole there, and the holes were just gaping in 04, and things didn't get much better in 
05 um, and off he went into retirement and he needed to step away. I don't think he was going to recharge being there. I think he needed to step away and, and he came back in three years and got it going again with kind of a different approach. But no, I don't think 98 played that role because they were good in 99 and, and 2000 and in 2001 when they went what six and six, uh, which was mm-hmm. disappointing. And then 2002, they're back and, you know, oh three, they're back. I mean, they won they won eleven games six out of seven years, and that oh one team was the only one that didn't. It, it was it's incredible what he did in that window, and the start of that window was you know around ninety eight. So I don't, I don't think they tie together. From Gato Blanco in Mexico, for some of us younger K State fans, I have heard that Bill Snyder flirted with taking the UCLA job during his tenure. Why did that end up falling through, and was there any other job that Snyder seriously considered taking? Well, you know, it was the Holiday Bowl, 95, maybe? Is that the Holiday Bowl year? Um, yeah, and the season was 95. Yeah. I don't think he was going to take the UCLA job. I think he had convinced himself to take it, but at the end of the day, he wouldn't leave. And he went to the – the story is he went to the pep rally. He, I remember how emotional he got at that pep rally broke down, started crying, and um, decided he wasn't going to leave and never did leave. So I don't know. I Yeah, he came close. Other jobs, people would come flirt with him, but eventually he realized and they realized that he wasn't going to work in a big media market and he probably wasn't going to work at a, you know, a traditional power where um, – a lot was expected and certain recruits getting certain level of recruits were expected. K-State was the perfect fit, ironically, for the program that never seemed to fit in. They found the perfect coach. Last question in the first half from Mitch and BB. Uh, John Curry, did we get him and part ways with him at the right time or would we have been better off never having him here? No, it was great he was here. I mean, you got to remember the context of when he came in right after the secret contract Bob Krause thing and the budget was a mess because Krause didn't have any budgetary background and fiscally the department was a train wreck and Krause had done some other things that were just kind of off the rails. Um, and Curry came in and, and settled things down. He just went about it in a kind of a bully manner, made a lot of enemies, escorted people out under guard like they were criminals because they were being fired, and it was just all a very, very strange situation. The fundraising he brought, the change in expectations he brought about where K-State sports should be with um, their standing in the world, not doing things half-ass, changed everything for K-State. John Curry did a lot of amazing things, and he did a lot of crap things at the personnel level and how he treated others. So he doesn't have to be one thing or the other. He was both things, and it was a great frustration. Yeah, I think that when people see, you know, Danny Manning getting fired now, the whole Tennessee coaching search thing, I think that, and, you know, obviously the Jamar Samuels thing at K-State and and running Frank off, essentially, I think that people kind of forget um, all of the good stuff, you know, the facilities, the stuff that, that wasn't around before he got in. And I think you, you said it perfectly about the Bob Krause thing. 
Yeah. You know, in the mid 2000s, you know, after Tim Weiser left, it wasn't great for K-State. Yes, they hired Bob Huggins, but, you know, he leaves. They, you know, they add in Frank or they, they bump up Frank. Um, so as far as athletics goes, you're in the middle of Ron Prince um, as well. But you add Curry in, he provides that stability um, and gets these facilities built that, that really needed to be built. Um, and, and the fundraising side, too. He was a great fundraiser. Um, and people um, bought into K-State. And what you're seeing now, I wouldn't say that it, it's, it would have been impossible without Curry, but John Curry's impact on this department and on the university and on K-State um, I think is long-term should be more seen as a positive than the personality and some of the decisions he made that don't really matter. Um, like coaches change all the time. Personnel changes all the time. Um, what makes the university is, is what's around. And I think that building those facilities, uh, the basketball training facility, West Stadium Center, new, new veneer, um, I think those were really critical for the university going forward. Agreed. He, how do I want to put this, guys? His uh, need to challenge Bill Snyder was annoying at times, but also came with good. Bill Snyder absolutely did not want the building we see now, the Veneer Family Football Complex, built. He he thought what he had was perfect and it should nothing should change because Bill didn't want to change. And John Curry made him do it, made it happen. Um, that's good, even though we would all take in a fight, Bill Snyder over John Curry in general, that was good. He needed to be challenged on that. That was just Bill being an old guy that didn't want to change and, and not really looking for the future of the program. Uh, he was just living in what was good for him at that moment, and John made him change. John changed the culture of fundraising and the way projects are built at Kansas State. All in all, he is a positive. I agree with Zach. I watched this Last Dance documentary, and there's so many similarities between him and Jerry Krause. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Again, a brilliant, you know, he recognizes things that need to be done with the team that turn it into a dynasty and yet can't get out of his own way and has to get rid of Phil Jackson and just – had to make it about him. Had to had to get locked in on something with a personal conflict that he somewhat created, just like John did with Frank Martin. There's just it's so similar on, on how it went about it. It was just like the personality defect there can't help them but lock horns with someone for whatever reason in their past they have a need to prove something to themselves. And it just turns out to be a complete disaster and distraction from everything else they've accomplished. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. On the other side, we'll take more of your questions as we are locked down, which is best for society. I think we can all agree on that. Stay locked in. The Powercat podcast will be right back. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Questions podcast. Boy, was that long. I hope you're still with us. I hope you made it through the break. Uh, We talked a lot. Considering we don't have much to talk about, we do a good job of talking. Well, I do a good job of talking. A lot of this taking place, uh, Gills was a fetus. Um, Actually, he was a fetus until he was 15. A very strange case. And then he just kind of (laughs) blossomed when, when, when he got into high school. He went from a, a fetus. Now, don't get me wrong. He was a fully functioning fetus, but uh, he wasn't very athletic because his little legs wouldn't do much. And then he got 15 and he grew up and here he is. And he's with us. <laughs> That's all science. We're also here with Zach Carlson. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. I don't know if you care at this point. We're sponsored by The Fridge. You should care about that. Get to The Fridge. Uh, when this all ends, you can go into The Fridge now because... Damn it, it's an essential business. And uh, you can order online or via their app and swing through and pick it up in a drive through type situation. Fantastic. The new world can be awesome despite the Rona. This segment sponsored by the High Low. I miss them. I need them. I want them. Get a burger or pizza in my mouth as soon as possible. The High Low. That's my read right there. Here we go. More questions from Wabash Station. Zach Gilbert Carlson, take away. From Eric Black DV, do you think that the Big 12 would consider playing football without fans? I hope it doesn't come to that, but it might. Well, my my thought on it is this. 
I, I think they might limit fans. I don't know. To have football, you have to have your campuses open. I think the general theory now in higher education is we, we have to get the campuses open or we're going to go broke. And if we get the campuses open, the typical student in the student body is exactly the type that will survive getting it and provide you know, the, the blood cells, the immunity that people need. But the crowd as a whole at a football game might be, would be much more mixed. I, I think one goes to the other, though, somehow. If it's good enough to open up the campus, they'll open up the stadium. I think crowds will be down because it'll be up to people like me and anyone else who would be in a, you know, a worrisome age bracket or health situation to not attend. A little personal responsibility would be nice. Um, but we've seen people that should be careful that aren't being careful. So you can't rely on that. But, you know, I think attendance will just be down because a lot of people would not show up until they feel like it's a little more safe. I mean, if you're living in western Kansas, are you really going to drive five hours to possibly get the coronavirus? Honestly. So I think it all goes. I think we might see a delay here, but they'll get it going. I think the Big 12 would consider playing football without fans, but I think that if if you're talking about playing football, I think that you're probably going to be talking about we need to have fans there, especially – like we've mentioned in previous podcasts, this isn't like, you know, professional sports like baseball, where you can put a bunch of cardboard cutouts in the stands and play baseball like they are in Korea, you know, and quarantine everybody in hotels, keep, you know, minimal contact between everybody. Um, it, it's it's a different it's it really is a community sport right. as far as college sports go. And it's without the community, you don't have sports like it's. It's necessary. It's a necessary component to having to having college football is having the fans there. So I think that if if we're considering playing without fans, I, I wonder what has happened, you know, in the future that has brought us to that conclusion that that's you know that that's what we're going to do. Agreed. And the Big Twelve definitely is going to have to at least consider that. Will it happen? Who knows? Um, but I was actually talking with Gene Taylor the other day. I was doing a class. Um, I was doing uh, an article about this South End Zone project, and I reached out to the athletic department and then said, here, we'll get you on the phone with Gene Taylor. So I was talking with him, and he said that it's just a matter of when, um, you know, when, the, when the football season will start. It will happen. Um, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the universities being open, like you said, Fitz. I mean, if if there's 20,000 you know students coming into Manhattan, I don't see how there's not going to be 50,000 fans packing into the bill. Um, obviously if you're older, you're more susceptible, you're going to stay home, but those student sections and, you know, younger fans, I think that'll be, uh, there'll be a lot of fans there. So uh, to answer the question of the big 12 definitely has to consider it, but I, I think it hopefully will not happen, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. You know, things are changing every day and we're hoping for the best. You know, another thing that I hadn't really thought about was until I was on Reddit the other day and I saw that that Oregon and Oregon is on a quarter system. So they don't do semesters like K-State. They start, you know, whenever. Um, So they start actually September 29th, I believe, is their target start date for this upcoming, you know, school year. So is that how it always would have been, or just because yeah, Corona? No. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's how that's how that's quarters where, work. Wow. Is that's where Stanford. So a lot is. of these schools. 
That's weird. So I wonder, I wonder how much having differing school schedules is going to matter as far as when we, when everything returns. And it would be interesting to see if some of these schools um, say, Hey, this is the perfect time we can switch to either a semester or a quarter, you know, schedule. If, if on the academic side, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to change and do it this way now. Um, kind of what we've talked about, you know, again, going back, me saying that I think that we will change the way we do some things, whether it's sports, school, you know, work, whatever. I think that it could be one of those things that has a long-lasting impact on, on, on life. You know, maybe the the schools say, "Hey, we need to start later," but also we can change it to a different system. So I don't know. Maybe it's something that that can be thought about. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think uh, I think the quarter system works better. I'm I'm just stunned more schools don't do it. You know, you take fewer classes and you take, you know, eight-week intensive, you know, maybe three classes every day of the week. Um, and it works really well. You, you get like a month off or something and you come back and do another quarter, another eight weeks. And over the holidays, you get the, you know, six weeks or whatever. And you take another eight weeks and another month off, another eight weeks. And that's why they go deeper into the summer it's just weird how that the semester starts so late and and i'm conscious conscious of it because when kansas state played at stanford students weren't in session it was early september so there were Mm -hmm. no students on campus and it really affected that non-conference portion of the schedule and how bad attendance was at stanford exactly from d brimmer 73 if they do have fans for football is there any idea how far germs fly when everyone is yelling their A off, mask or not? If they don't have a cure, is there any way they could have more than key people at games? There's a lot of unknowns facing us. We still got to figure this out a little bit better. But you're right. When people are yelling, um, I think probably face masks, some kind of face covering will be allowed, which will muffle the crowd noise. There's no doubt about that. Uh you know, so that you're not sharing all your germs outward as much. That'd be my guess is they're going to require those things at least early on. You know, I, I look at myself and will I want to go sit in a press box, you know, for a prolonged period of time, even if everyone has a face mask on with my health? I'm not sure. It's Everyone's going to have to make their own decisions. But I think requiring a face covering would probably be very prudent. How do you that, enforce that? I mean, a bunch of college students who are drunk off their ass. How do you enforce that? Well, you probably don't get in the gate unless you're wearing one. So you've got one. And I think the way it's enforced is probably socially. You know, yeah. I hey, mean, put your mask on. I think the college students would probably be some of the more responsible ones because their friends will say, get your damn mask on or we're going to beat the hell out of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be the older crowd that'd be like, I'm not wearing a mask. I don't have the Rona. You know, I, I think uh, that was that yeah. was a good impression of myself. That was a really good one. <laughs> yeah, that really sounded like me, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think you've got to be wearing one to get in to prove that you have it. And uh, I think we will also see a dramatic rise in consistent stand robberies. But that's just a second. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from Emom Wildcat eighty two, what is your social distancing plan for the stadium this fall? Since we already weren't selling out last year, 
can we just spread out in checkerboard fashion and then open up Bramlage to provide the rest of the needed space with big screens? Won't this also encourage more tailgating in the parking lots? I I get what he's saying. I, I think you will. I don't think crowds are going to be great, guys. I think even when we get it opened up, people might, they're exactly right. People might go tailgate, but not go in the stadium, be seated next to next to people they don't know. I think there'll be some caution. I think certain fans that are worried about this won't go. You know, there's there's people like me that have health concerns that maybe shouldn't be exposed to things. And there's also a segment of our population that is absolutely paranoid about this. They're, you know, it's it's really turned into almost a mental illness in the fact that they're paralyzed by the threat of this virus. It's unknown. And I understand. Uh, so I, I think we'll see attendance drop and the distancing will happen just because there won't be that many people in the stands. But I don't think you'll have to open up Bramlage. Um, I think you'll be able to – I think enough people will just be in the parking lot doing their thing and they won't go in the stadium. But it gets back to what uh, Zach said, or whatever his name is. Um, this is a social thing. It's not just a football game at the college level. It's much more than that. It's part of the culture. What's your social distancing plan? You're you're probably not going to go to games, Fitz. As of right now, no. Um, but as I keep saying, we got May, June, July, August. We got four months for me to yep. see what comes along. Does uh, do we build up more immunity through our society and the sharing of? You know, if I felt like there was a, you know, the antibodies the that had built up in people, if there was a stockpile of them where if I got it, they could, you know, they can give you a blood infusion that will help you fight it off, I might be more likely. There's a lot of time. I mean, we're only in, like, what, six weeks into this? Mm-hmm. Of, of really the drastic measures for us as a society. I mean, I know it goes back further than that, but the, the lockdowns are about six weeks in. And we got another four months before we get to football. So, folks, this is moving kind of fast. It feels slow, but when you stop and think about it, it's moving kind of fast. And I think they'll find enough solutions to to get us back on our feet. We're going to have to. We can't function as a society. Uh, I'm worried when it comes time to open up, a lot of small businesses won't open up. They'll just be gone. From Deeprimer73, we know we won't get our money back for games we may not get to go to, but does the athletic department have any plans for what they will do, given all the possibilities that may happen? I would still go to Manhattan on game day, even if I watch at Tanner's. And could they do a drive-in movie setup in the parking lot with honking horns when we score? Very small town Kansas, but an off-the-wall idea. Dude, that's not (laughs) a bad idea. That's actually... That's actually a pretty cool idea. Um, I don't know how you do it, but yeah, I mean, there's something to that. You know, we've got enough now, almost like closed circuit TV, where you know you could. I don't know how it works to be honest. If you can have a high enough internet signal where people could just have their device running off of the automobile, we'll see. Again, a lot of things to happen um, between now and then. I think the athletic department is probably making a lot of contingency plans. What happens if this, if that, what do we do if we have to limit people, if we have to, you know, I'm sure they're working on all those things, but there's absolutely no need at this point to announce them. 
they are trying to get, you know, some commitments for season tickets, but they're also being cautious not to take in too much money that they may have to return because that could be very painful. But I'm not sure how they're functioning right now because right now is usually when season ticket money comes flowing in and, you know, they they get by on that. They haven't had basketball postseason revenue, and now they're not having football ticket sales revenue. It's got to be getting awful tight up there. From Wildcat Pilot 88, if COVID-19 starts to limit fans' game day activities, who will be passing down the restrictions, the university, the state, or the Big 12? There, there'll all be restrictions or guidelines, um, depending on what the situation is with society at that point. I don't think it'll be the Big 12. I think there has to be a united decision amongst college football. You can't have some programs doing some things and others not. It just seems like there'd be advantages and disadvantages built in. Uh, I don't know. For the NCAA basketball tournament, Duke, before anything was canceled, Duke was the first school, I think, that said, we will not play in the tournament. If If there is a tournament, we will not be attending. We will not be playing. I could see a lot of schools such as Duke, you know, smart schools, quote unquote, saying, hey, we're not this is not worth worth it for us, not worth the health risk. We are going to sit this out. And I think that I think that there are some schools that could very well say we're not going to participate in 2020. Um, it would be unfortunate, but I think there's going to be a lot of schools that say, hey, we are going to play uh, regardless if, if you do, if you want to play or not. You know, we're going to show up to the stadium and be ready to play. Also from Wildcat Pilot 88, if K-State elects to play this fall and the rest of the conference forfeits each game due to COVID-19, will we get a shot at the playoffs? Legit. Back into that playoff with a 12-0 record because nobody showed up. <laughs> well, did uh, the SEC play? The SEC might get four teams in. Mm, that's true. You know? They deserve Jeez. it. They deserve it because they have all the best players. They're, they're the best. I could even see the smart school in the SEC Vanderbilt sitting that one out too. So K State might only get to play what two real games because you know North Dakota's want to get North Dakota and Buffalo, or they're going to want to get their paychecks to come down to Manhattan. So true, you know, true. They might have fourteen weeks of bye week off before the postseason. God, they'll be healthy. They might have the coronavirus, <laughs> but they'll be healthy. Last question of the of the podcast. We have a new question asker, Ohio Powercat. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the website. Taking advantage of that special. He says, I only make it back to K-State one time a year for a home football game. And if we have football this year, which game should I attend? Factor in weather, possibility of having fans later in the year, and the opponent. Uh, I would say Vanderbilt out of the uniqueness of it. Um, mm -hmm. or Texas, because it's Texas, it's always fun to beat them, uh, or Kansas, because they will have a football team, but you won't be able to tell. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'd go Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt or Texas. You hit that nice, sweet spot on the weather, at yeah. least for Texas. It's not going to be too hot. It could still be hot for the Vanderbilt game, but it probably won't be blistering hot and it could be a nice cool fall day. So um, probably going to be your two nice weather ones. And then, yeah, Vanderbilt's a unique game. Get that revenge from 2017. Um, a very winnable SEC game at home. 
Uh, and then Texas, I think, is, you know, the last however many games K-State's played against Texas have been close. Those have always been good games. Um, regardless of if K-State wins or loses, it should be a good one. Yeah, Vanderbilt, I agree with you guys. Vanderbilt will be uh, a fun one to watch. You guys kind of hit it on the head. You know, Texas, it's always good to see us beat them. So Vanderbilt and Texas really would be the uh, marquee games. And welcome to the site, man. Yeah, we got a cool special right now. I mean, it only lasts till when's it in, Zach? Wednesday night. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, you are out of luck. You get 50% off a GoParkCat subscription and a CBS All Access Pass, ads-free pass to their streaming service, which has some cool programming and some neat historical programming. If you watch CBS primetime stuff, it has not just that season. You know, if you got cable, you're on demand. We'll show you that season. They've got everything. Everything. I mean, if you can watch all of Survivor yeah. or Big Brother. Yeah. If you're an old fart, they have the entire I Love Lucy catalog, that type of stuff. Uh, you know, and they've got two Star Trek series, uh, Discovery and Picard, which was highly acclaimed. Um, but yeah, so you can subscribe to Go Powercat, get 50% off, and get an ads free account because you can, there's an in, inexpensive CBS version that comes with ads. This is no ads, so you can watch. If you were into one of the NCIS shows, uh, you can watch that without ads. It just rolls right through like Netflix. It's awesome. It's awesome. I watch, I watch FBI. It's a great new series on CBS, and not having ads is really cool. So uh, that's for free. That's a $99.95 value. So $100 value for free on top of getting Go Power Cat for half price. Very cool. Very, very cool. We appreciate you listening to this edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast as we continue to podcast from home jimmy kimmel style everyone style we do it with style we'll talk to you next week you've been listening to the power cat questions podcast presented by fridge wholesale liquor power cat podcast all rights reserved gopowercat.com and spirit street publishing Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.